just want to say I didn't even realize I passed the torch of sexy jazz voice, Jamie. Yeah, it's been a good week of... But allergy stuff has been hard for us lately. Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight we have Mishka Siebert with us who is doing some powerful work to highlight the experiences of siblings. We're very excited to speak with her. And tonight I have Jen. Hello, everyone. Jamie. Hey. Rachel. Hey, everybody. Kim. Hello. And Mishka. Hey. <laughs> we are so excited to have you. If you want to do a little introduction of yourself and who you are for our listeners, that would be excellent. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm so happy to be sitting virtually at the table with these such powerful mothers and women. Women first. Yes. So, gosh, I was just telling you that I'm changing my introduction constantly because I'm constantly doing new things. Mm-hmm. So the most present one is that I'm a yes, sibling to an amazing autistic brother, which doesn't change. He's going to be 20 this year. It's a very long journey. I'm 28. We're both from Slovakia and we create a business uh, together because there's no employment in Slovakia for my brother and there's 85% chance of unemployment generally around autism. Uh, So I created a job role of creative director for him and he's an amazing artist. We've got a beautiful marriage that was praised by Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick on our national TV. Yes, it was amazing because my intention was to raise awareness and to show people what amazing things people that are artistic can actually achieve uh, and to see that ability, uh, as I call it, in, in visibility. But we moved to bigger advocacy and, and we are now international non-governmental uh, organization that is registered in Slovakia. We are part, uh, I mean, I'm part of the biggest European association called Autism Europe that is working closely with the European Parliament also. So I'm fully on into advocacy for the rights of autistic people and children because families need to be heard and we know a lot more many times than some people that are educated unfortunately it's still <laughs> true around multiple european countries and i heard in american canada too sometimes so our voices of families are extremely important and because our voice is important and we are on this journey for so long. There are people that are unfortunately overlooked because not intentionally by parents, which are siblings, and I advocate for them, and which is my own personal journey also connected to that. So I published a book where called Mother's Guide to Sibling Relationships, and it includes 50 reference studies around psychology, parenting, autism, siblings of children with disabilities, and it's it's a powerful resource for for everyone, you know, to on this journey. Now for moms, paid siblings, and also for psychology specialists and therapists, so they know about those experiences and can support mental health of the whole family because it's so important. And we're in this together. So yeah, that's my yeah. mission. That's what I do. I love that. <laughs> Just I'm a powerhouse. You said Ben Affleck. I'm like, all I've done with Ben Affleck is I rented him a tanning bed. (laughs) (laughs) You both have a connection to Ben Affleck. (laughs) Mine's a little less uh, impressive, just to be clear. Speaking of impressive, I wish we clapped. Mishka, come on, girl. Yeah, powerhouse. Yeah, that's amazing. Making change. Also, there's this picture on Instagram that melted my heart of you and your brother where he looks three and a half feet taller than you because I think he is three and a half feet taller than you. 
And yes. I want to let you know that if I could have climbed through and hugged you both right then and there, I would have. Thank yeah. you for sharing him and your story. Thank you. Yes. He's like my big brother now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's your big brother. That's for sure. Yeah. So that would change roles. The, the book, which I have been reading and just recently came out, which I love so much. It's a mother's guide to sibling relationships, but I really feel like as I'm reading it, that is more of a perspective of like um, telling mothers and parents and caregivers that it's okay to feel and be and navigate through this any way that you want to. So I kind of wanted to start with this section, chapter two, which is my favorite, um, emotions as our guide. I'm just going to read a little clip from this, which is my um, philosophy as well that, and we talk about this often, that any emotions that you have are okay. And I just want to read this paragraph. Emotions are information about how we respond to the environment around us. They can tell us whether we believe something is righteous, delightful, or unfair. They can also tell us whether we see something as worthy of our time, attention, or whether a situation seems dangerous. But none of the emotions we feel are inherently bad. This concept of bad emotions has forced many people to be ashamed of their feelings, which makes them push away their feelings because they're afraid of being judged by others or even themselves, which I think as parents often... There's a lot of talk and discussion, especially towards mothers, about processing our kids' autism diagnosis and how we shouldn't feel sad. We shouldn't feel ashamed about our own personal feelings about diagnosis, you know, all the other side of, and you call it a rainbow. What's the language that you used? Um, it's basically you connected it to the rainbow. Like you have to have both sides of the purple, the blue, the green, in order to celebrate the red, orange, and yellow, you know, which I just think is the most beautiful way to describe it. We, it's empowering to feel everything that you feel. And it, it, as a human being, you have to see both sides in order to appreciate the joy and love and caring and beautiful parts of who we are as human beings. So I really, really connected to that in your book. Um, and you talk about your brother, like how each one of you can paint, a, get the same colors, but come up with a different painting because of the, our perception of, of that experience. So it was beautiful. It's a really, the thing I loved about your book is that it's a really easy read, short read. I mean, as far as page wise goes, but there's a lot of like heavy um, scientific information in here that doesn't seem overwhelming to the, like a, a normal reader someone who maybe doesn't have a background in like science or you know <laughs> something like yes. that so um I loved it I loved it that section specifically about emotions really hit me in my heart um because we preach that all the time like it, it's okay to talk about all sides of the spectrum um, of emotions you know and in your sibling relationship can you talk to us a little bit about that path of of understanding like how to change your mindset um because you talk about that a lot in your book 
Yes, thank you very much for so for sharing this because that's my first like this live review. That's <laughs> oh, so amazing. <laughs> yes, so it's so amazing to read back my book to me. It's like wow. Yes, because well, I've been reading, working on it, and like you know, it's just like you're in it. But when you see it from outside, someone reading it back to you, it's like wow, really. Um, yes, uh, I looked at this painting. I know that your listeners won't see, but this one when I saw it, my brother painted it, and you see the dark colors in it, like very navy blue colors with orange and this very yellow he loves all the colors and and he loves dark colors he loves um you know all the colors and i look at his painting and i say wow it's beautiful and that's what how it, when i was uh creating the content it came to my mind uh for this book that how can i refer to like a rainbow of emotions like we're not saying all the violet or like darker colors of the rainbow are like bad we are looking at a full range and saying that's beautiful and that's what makes us human and that is very important because sometimes I feel that the society is trying to make us less human. But my brother, he taught me how to be, be better human, how to be a better human being um, and, and, and how to connect to my humanity, what makes me human, emotions, intuition, body, um, compassion, empathy, all those things are extremely important. And that's what we need more in this world. So he, I always say that he made me better human because he really did he's got the biggest heart and he opened my heart so much so um i'll tell you when you were talking about diagnosis right and how you deal with this as a mother for me many people ask me it's like how did you deal with this as a sibling and i say well i didn't know what autism was really i didn't really know much like you know there was that was uh what 17 years ago so you know, there was not much information in Slovakia, still there's a lot of it, <laughs> to be honest. So that's why I advocate hard um, everywhere, wherever I go. But when I realized that he's nonverbal and he's not speaking, like he's not saying where he, the word, he can say mama, but that's like, he calls me mama and calls my mom mama. <laughs> that's the only like word like, that like in the verbal vocabulary that you can find that he uses. But he's wonderful communicating with you, his pecs also. Um, and he's a wonderful visual communicator, but he's a lot of neural communication. That's why I've got in a book also, because that's what he taught me how to be better communicating, how to connect more with people. Mm -hmm. But when we were talking about the siblings, well, nobody talks about siblings in Central Europe. And I, so I felt like there's something wrong with me. So I started feeling like, oh my God, uh, why well, I'm tired. Like it started just really simple. Like, why am I tired constantly? Like, why do I need to per, like lay down? And I felt bad about self-care. I felt bad about laying down when I was on my cycle and I my body was asking me to. Because, you know, my cycle would get worse because I'm very sensitive when I would have very bad cramps, when I would be stressed out and I had held emotions inside of me. It would really cause a lot of tension in my womb and it would like really eat me inside, basically. It would show up as psychosomatic symptoms when I held a lot of emotions inside of me. And I had many like illnesses all the time. Something was wrong with me when I was a child, right? And ended up in hospital when Samko was 12, uh, when I was 12, sorry, Samko was diagnosed with autism. He was three and I was 12. And I had problem with appendix, for example. So there's something always happening with me. And, and I didn't know like why it wasn't really like physical. And now when I write about this book, in this book, I'm sure I was like, yes, we siblings like held a lot of emotions inside and we are struggle to deal with them. And we are scared to talk about those things because if parents don't make it okay to accept negative emotions, 
as part of our human being self and don't communicate that to us, we feel like, oh, we don't want to burden you. Oh, I should not have any problems. I should be perfect because I'm like, you know, I have it so much better. Like that's what we kind of feel, you know, and it can show up as a the behavior from parents towards us also like how they treat us. And what I realized one thing is when autism showed up on paper as a diagnosis, my parents didn't know what to do and they tried to find solutions to support my brother. But what I realized is like this, this stigma around disability created separation between us. Oh, you're put into this box and I'm mm. put into this box. So those boxes suddenly put a lot of different dynamic, change the dynamic of a relationship. So suddenly we're not siblings. I'm the one that doesn't need that much support. I'm the one that is verbal, com- I'm communicative, and I'm maybe more mature because whatever, and so on. So, so I'm put all these labels on me and in my ice mindset, and I, I put them on me also. And he's, you know, put labels are put on him also. And those labels are limiting either our growth which happened with my brother or are putting a separation between us that I tried to break out of like I didn't know that there's something happening I just felt like there are certain emotions inside of me that I didn't uh, understand how to process and why I feel this way like I love my brother so much like he's my best friend he's my soulmate like we just hug each other constantly he's my we just adore each other I felt bad about feeling those negative emotions and I felt there's something wrong with me there's in my eye must be the fall like I should not feel this way I should not feel jealous I should not feel resentful when when he's got it oh he doesn't have to do certain things but I have to do more because I'm seen as neurotypical why is it seen is because many women are non-diagnosed uh, neurodivergent women yeah. so I believe I'm neurodivergent 100% but I'm not diagnosed, right? We don't have diagnosis slacky about that. That would come from that. But that's why I'm seeing the same scene as neurotypical. So, so there's just a lot of pressure on me. I'm put in a caregiver mode uh, because my mom, she struggles, first of all, asking for help. Secondly, she's a super independent woman. <laughs> also, she she's taught that she's got to be independent by my grandma and by my, and it's like generational this self-sacrificial hyper-independent, you've got to do everything on your own, you should never cry, you've got to be tough, because that was like taught in our feminine lineage, you know, that's what my mom learned, she's also the older sibling herself, so she knew that she's got to be more responsible, and it's just like started repeating, but there's a difference, I told my mom this, which I also start in the beginning of my book, is like, your perspective and your experience as a mother of a special needs child is your perspective. My perspective as a sibling is my perspective because autism came to my life when I was nine, right? Basically when he was young as well, but I was born when I was nine. So uh, it affected me very early on when my brain was not developed enough to process many things and cope with so many anxieties and stress stressors and so many things and emotions. So I, I was not supporting them, that, therefore, you know, I had hit very hard. But my grandma, for example, she never raised special needs child. So she could not understand my mom and she cannot understand my own experience. So that is like one of those things, you know, sometimes family struggles with understanding you, maybe like supporting you. And that was for us, like mentally, emotionally, my grandma, for example, doesn't really understand this journey. And I told my mom, it's her own perspective. Like you need to understand that not everyone is able to understand someone else's perspective. 
but maybe you don't know, you don't know how to do that. So our experiences are different, but very similar because we are in this together. But my grandma doesn't understand it. So she won't understand why you're tired, why you making certain decisions for your mental health in this world, why she has more energy than both of us. So it started like with this comparison and I felt bad, you know, comparing myself to my grandma that is 74, but she's got more energy than I do as a 28 year old. So I started questioning myself, is there something wrong with me? And I started finding support, I started learning. And I started learning from siblings because therapists didn't know, psychologists didn't know, there was not much out there talking about these experiences. Mm -hmm. It was just in those private groups on Facebook where nobody can like tell a gaslight you or tell you, no, this is not, oh, you're being dramatic. You know, they are very honest there. So I was like, oh my God, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, good. Which is super important perspective to take. Like, it's okay to have my lens and my view and my perspective on the situation as a sibling. When I was reading your book, I thought about like, not only siblings of um, who have like a child with a disability in the family, but also substance abuse, mental health. Like, I think like when you have a sibling who has a mental health condition, you also take over that caregiver role, which carries over to you into your adult life, which I have had experience with. Then you become the nurturer. It's the same type of role where you're like navigating all of the elevated emotions and, you know, unpredictability. And you have to unlearn those behaviors, not only in your relationship with your sibling, but also your relationship with other people that you decide to, you know, friendships significant others, um, co-workers even sometimes, you know, like in the whole realm of, of your life. So it's yeah. a great, I am listening to this kind of thinking of my two kids, cause they're both autistic, both with different needs. And my son, my son, who's the older definitely takes more of a nurturing role to his sister who is younger and who has more needs, but he also, and I've talked about this before, has a lens of like where she's been like through his experiences, nonverbal, feeling the world in similar ways, getting overwhelmed. Like, I think he has this layer that maybe a, a sibling who didn't go through those experiences might not understand, you know, and Jamie has a younger daughter or her daughter is younger than her son. And then Kim has, you know, the gamut of um, <laughs> ages up above and below of her kids who are older. So it's fascinating to think about them through your eyes. Like think, yeah. think of my kids through your eyes. I have to say, Mishka, the, the most impressive thing I, I've done prior to being Celie's mom, I've done a whole bunch of years of waiting and wanting in an adoption process that was pretty brutal. And in that time, I had no choice but to work on myself because I didn't have anything else to work on. The baby hadn't arrived. And I just feel like it's so refreshing and gives me so much hope that your perspective is so reflective and so forgiving of the generational stuff. I mean, I hear like 10 books that I've studied in every phrase that you answer back. I want you to know that I think you're a powerhouse and the perspective that you've cultivated with this big sister caregiver, feel all the things, um, look at each color, just what a gift. So somewhere between your brother and your generational trauma and your everything else that we all come with, I just God, congratulate you. The more that we can talk about how feeling is okay, and the more that we can normalize each 
little step in a big hurdle or each little step in a big triumphant wonderful way the more we can break the stigma down which is really the thing that keeps us in those confines that you're talking about freeing yourself from or freeing your family from I just I congratulate you so much I think you're remarkable in fact I'm sending you a love note right now I'm sorry if that ding <laughs> I think that's what I think when I was reading the book like the title of the book is about siblings but it's really about this um pro processing time frame uh, and changing your view about diagnosis and the family scheme as a whole Mm -hmm. which really is like a different perspective than what you read in a lot of books about this journey, like looking back from your experience and it gives parents a lot of tips for how to change your mindset. And one of the things which we preach all the time on this podcast is like never assuming that your child can't do something mm -hmm. or that they can't be something or, and keep trying those experiences, even if it goes awry one time, that doesn't mean the next time as they've developed or as they're familiar or whatever the case may be, you know, work on independence and making them feel value as a human being. When I was reading through this, I thought of, I was out in public one time and it was a, a event for autistic families. And there was a mom and her daughter picked up some crayons and um, she was, I don't know if she was considered nonverbal or not, but her mom was like, oh, she can't color. And then she picked up the crayon and started to make marks on the paper. And I was like, well, if, you know, look at this beautiful job of, of coloring, um, whether it's inside the lines or outside the lines, she picked up the crayon, she put it to the paper, you know, like celebrating um, in our language, even if our kids can't speak and no fault to this mom whatsoever, but for the perspective when we're looking at our kids, it's like, even if it doesn't look what we would consider the label of coloring, the act of picking up the crayon and writing on the paper is something to be celebrated. Yeah, in language, in language, so they can internalize. And I believe that with all of my being that my kids hear every word that's said around them, whether they can respond back or not, it's important for them to like, internalize positive things about themselves and be celebrated and understand that they have value in this world. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. Oh, someone else. <laughs> someone I else. For me. Say, I think that's what's beautiful about the sibling relationship is because you're born into this life. You, you know, you don't have a choice who your siblings are, but as parents, we come at it, you know, like through diagnosis and through everything else, like we're constantly hearing about the checklists and the milestones. So like for that mom, she's probably been told over and over again, like, oh, your child should have been coloring by this age, your child should have. So that mom's perspective is totally like, oh no, she can't color. She can't do this. But as a sibling, and I see this with my daughter, she's almost four and her brother's all she's ever known. She understands him so well. It's amazing to me, but it's like that perspective that she doesn't see the checklist. She doesn't see something wrong. She just sees that that's her brother. And it's a really beautiful relationship that I think that we all take for granted, like kind of what you were talking about, where we have to nurture that sibling, nurture that child, because it can only help both people grow. And um, we can learn so much because we're coming at it from one perspective, the outside world, like you were talking about your grandmother, they've gone their whole lives, like this is how you do things. And so they can't see it differently. 
And so the fact that you're willing to speak up and write about all this, it's amazing. And I love when siblings do it too, because I'm like, as moms, we just can't, we just can't always do that because it's hard to speak up when we're so caught up in the worry and everything else. And different is, I don't like the, or the hard, but different is hard for people outside of our little bubble that we're in. But like Jamie said, when a sibling, Kai is an only child, but when a sibling's born into it, it is really all, all that you know. Um, we were talking about something the other day and I was like, I didn't realize this until I saw other families, you know, cause you're just in your own sort of bubble of your family and this is what you know. So for the outside world, you know, what a resource your book is for them. And it's true. Like I've always said, obviously I, I have four children. So my daughter has three siblings and the dynamics different. My son is older than her, but he was only three when she was born. So still like didn't really know anything too different because he was so young, you know, when he was two and a half, she was a baby when, you know, and then my other girls were, they were born, you know what I mean? They, she was always there. So they didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know a difference. They didn't know, they didn't see autism. They, they just saw their sister, but, um, it is very hard on the siblings. And I've always said that and they sacrifice a lot. I always struggle to try to, cause I don't want, you know, I don't want them to resent her. I don't want, you know, but they clearly have had to go without things and we have to do things differently. You know, we don't do things like the typical family because, well, it's always chaos. <laughs> I mean, with four, there's always chaos. You don't even need autism in that. But, um, you know, there's certain things that we just can't do because of her. But I have to say, I think my kids have adjusted, you know, relatively well to that. But the outside people don't see it. Like, they understand I go through a lot. Like, everyone's like, oh, how do you do it? Or, you know, how are you handling this? But it's like, nobody sees what the children go through. Only the people that are right there that are right there they kind of see it but other people they don't see it they don't understand um these things like becoming a caretaker and you know the I don't want to use the word resentment I don't think my kids resent their sister but you know there's definitely times that it's hard you know there's it's that day that she yesterday we were going to a cookout she had a huge fit she did not want to wear she wanted to wear her same shirt as yesterday I didn't want to let her wear her, no, same shirt as two days, two days in a row. So I'm like, nope, you have to wear a different shirt. I mean, we couldn't get out of the house. It was a long drive. And I know they're annoyed. I'm annoyed. Everybody's annoyed. But like, it's like, I feel bad that they have to deal with that because, you know, but at the same time, it's like, they have to deal with that because we, we all live in the same house. You know, it's hard to give that balance of like giving them what they need, giving her what they need. Like there's always kind of somebody I feel like you're taking away from in order to meet the other person's needs. Um, and I guess that happens with probably typical siblings as well. But, um, you know, that's just something as a mom that I always struggle with. I always have a lot of guilt that like they sacrificed and, and went without stuff. But I mean, obviously now they're adults-ish. I mean, my daughter just turned 18, so. adult <laughs> I'm not considering her an adult yet, but. Emil's written her off, but <laughs> we can like, talk, we can like talk about, you know, we can talk about it and they're like, no, it's okay. You know, one thing that you talk about in your book, which I found like highly fascinating was your view of your brother's diagnosis. You told a story in your book about jumping on the bed. Like you two were jumping on the bed, having a good time. He fell off. And then you kind of carried if you did anybody had... else, sorry, Tabs, but did anybody else say 
no more monkeys jumping on the bed right after you said he fell off because that's where I was. <laughs> that is <laughs> up um, You had carried that possibly had caused his autism after that experience. So talk a little bit about that mindset as a child, because I think it's fascinating with the conversations that we have with our kids, A, about their autism, because developmentally you have to be in the right place to be able to talk to them about their diagnosis and how that's going to go. But also like talking to your kids about your other kids about the siblings diagnosis without them like taking on that maybe they did something. Yes, this is a very, well, I'll be honest with you, sibling relationship, it's like so complex. And that's why I'm glad that I went deep into like writing a book and research and like talking and seeing because I wasn't aware of many of the, of the things. As I was writing, things started remembering like so situations like jumping on a bat. You know, I, I mentioned that we were, uh, this situation, the emotion appeared after 20 well, not 20, maybe like 15 years, maybe, because that happened um, when he was little and we were playing and really loved jumping on a bat with me on the parents' bed. And we were like laughing so much and he would like fall down. He was maybe two or a half and he was so cute. And I always loved his joy and laughter. I was obsessed, you know, I still am obsessed with his laughter and joy because he's such <laughs> a happy bubble by a boy. I mean, man, now uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, that's so called happy autism because he's so happy and we want to help our families be happy. You know, that's like the happiness. It was very inspired by him. But yeah, so um, that really changed really quickly the emotion within me because what happened? He fell off the bed. He hit his head and he started crying, obviously. And my mom ran, started oh my god drama like and I was so scared <laughs> but something happened to him and my mom she started like oh my god what happened you know and she started just 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 being very scared and I was very scared and then when we realized that he's nonverbal, because obviously you've got this this how, how, regression right so the oh, yeah. regression started happening and I thought it's my fault because Oh my God, the result, some is saying some words, but then he stopped and then we, we got diagnosed nonverbal autism. So I thought that what if I did something? Is it my fault? Why he suddenly regressed? What if I, what if because we played and he hit his head and he fell with that, something happened in his brain? Maybe it's my fault. So I really, uh, well, as you can see, first of all, we didn't know much about autism. <laughs> um, I didn't know much. And my parents, they didn't know about this. It was so hard for me to process that like, I didn't even know how to process that guilt and that emotion. I didn't like understand that. So I just held it inside of me for so many years. And then um, well, if we moved to a few years ahead, like when I was in my 20s and we were just playing in the hot tub and Samka was laughing again and we were having so much fun like we used to when we were little and he's like spitting water at me and it's just like having fun and suddenly I'm hit with emotion I was like oh my god and I saw a feeling of very a big sadness and grief that he's that he's not verbal and that he can't communicate verbally with me and I started feeling the emotion that did I do something and I started feeling this horrible guilt and pain inside of my heart and, and I just I just couldn't I started crying immediately and I felt like oh my god like in my brain, my emotions are telling me you caused this. It's your fault. And my brain is saying, well, this is not logical. It's like I could not meet 
mm. like the, the 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 trauma just like happened like the emotion just happened he hit me so hard that i i just didn't understand like because when you're in this emotional state you your brain is like whoa you're not making sense of things you know so you first have to regulate your emotional state to then make sense and then internal uh, then then uh, reflect on it then when you're actually calmer then you can actually be like oh what happened so when you're this hard, big emotional state it's like you don't understand so I started crying and Semko came to me and he hugged me and that caused even more tears because he, he's so empathetic like he just hugs me so tight and he's just like so he's like literally holding space for me to to like process those emotions and I just felt oh my god like maybe I did something wrong maybe I don't know like so I just have this feeling of like this is my fault and it's so fascinating when I started realizing that I'm reading from siblings that are saying oh you know I felt sibling guilt sibling guilt is a phenomenon I think because we have like guilt over things that I would not even imagine that it's logically possible like for example like uh, because we're children, right, in this world, uh, and it's like uh, guilt around, well, why am I not the one that it's autistic? Why am I not the one that has special needs? Why it has to be you? Maybe if it was me, that would be better. Maybe if I could just take your disability and put it on me, like, it's just like, sometimes you feel like, why, for example, twins, I heard from some some exact twins that one uh, is autistic and the other one is not, and they're like, "Oh, why is it you that is autistic? Maybe you should have me." And I don't want, I don't like to see that you're suffering in this world. Like, I wish it was me. And, and having such guilt, and I, it's just so fascinating for me to to see that because, you know, certain things are not logical, but emotions I don't think are very logical. To be honest, they're not. <laughs> I just like our mind says, yeah. our emotions are like different things. So, so it was very fascinating for me to see those point of views and and just realize that we if if we don't talk about it, if we don't process it, then we hold it inside of us, and it's just like causing us uh, unnecessary problems. So. Yeah, so I'm trying to open the doors with compassion and acceptance with this book. And and I say mm-hmm. one important thing is that I don't blame anyone because mm-hmm. uh, it's for, for me to have conversation with my mom about my ex- experiences. You know, I told her, please, uh, I, this is very hard conversation because I'm not here to blame you when I'm sharing all of this. I just need to be heard. Like yeah. I need to be heard and need to be seen and close and acknowledge that this is my experience and validated. I so I just spoke to her like, hey, this is what I need from you. I don't want you to feel guilty that you did something wrong because I feel like you're the best mom in the world for me. Um, and she honestly is, and one of the best things is, and that's what I wrote in at the back of this book that when I was acknowledging her that I'm so grateful that she's so open to do the work with me and that she mm. did the work with me that when I brought all these things and I started to open those conversations she didn't say no I don't want to talk about this which happens with certain parents because it's hard for them to process those things and they feel that guilt so I'm extremely blessed that I could have that I have mom like I do and um, you know we are in this together because my parents are separated for around like and divorced around for 11 years I think so so but it's all I always been the one that's always been there so my stepdad who's some uh, father he also could hear certain things and realize that when he wasn't there when he was working when he was not present that what I was going through that he could actually acknowledge me and that is bettering our relationship also in a certain way 
So, and they could open the conversations that he could actually support me right now with what I'm doing, right? For example, the business and advocacy, so on. He's trying, you know, even though he's got his own family and so on. But uh, my mom, she's the hero. And I wanted to show, I wanted to empower all the moms and, and show them, show you that your many times, like, you know, there's no guide around like how to do things. And if I can just give you some like navigation, some map, to understand the journey uh, and some tools um, that are like, I know that worked for us so well and worked for some other people that, you know, that's why I included research because I didn't want to be like, oh, this is my experience. I wanted to see what are experiences of other siblings. I wanted to see experience what are others, what works. And I wanted to give something solid because I don't like like talk, talk. I want proven evidence, you know, that's how yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I was like, that's how I am. So it's like, show me results. Uh, that's how I'm very focused on results. So that's what I wanted to put into this book. I didn't want to just talk about my experiences. You see just a few stories. Uh, so I didn't want to make a memoir. I believe that there are multiple people that need to be heard. Um, and, and, you know, and that's what I try to give platforms to. So siblings love that also, adult siblings. Um, and and I, I'm very, very, very grateful, you know, that I could make this happen. And I'm here even talking to you. And it's because of my mom also. Very big chunk. It's because of my mom. So sweet. Oh, okay. I love that because I think as the moms, like, I mean, probably most of us have experienced that in the beginning when the diagnosis first comes or your child's falling behind. I know for me personally, before I really knew it was autism or what autism really was, I blamed myself. And I thought through my whole pregnancy, I thought about the one time my son fell off a couch and bonked his head, like all that stuff. And you, you, there's so much guilt and blame and your perspective as a sibling also having that. It's like something I've never even really thought about with my daughter. My son gets very upset if she's upset. And that's something I do get concerned about. Like if she gets hurt and she's crying, then he enacts the same emotion. So she'll be crying and screaming. So he's crying and screaming. And I think about that all the time. I'm like explaining to her that it's not her fault if he's upset about something because she's genuinely upset about something. So it's those little things that we have to navigate and really think about the whole picture. And that's what I love about you. Cause you're not just talking about the sibling. You're talking about the whole family dynamic and everyone else. And really thinking about from that perspective and not getting caught up in our own worries. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And as moms, we just feel guilty about everything, you know, like you feel guilty about everything. And, and I think, sorry, Rachel, um, in talking about it, I think it just makes people aware of it because there's certain things that people aren't aware of, um, like the sibling guilt, like the, the things that you just like talk about, like, I never really thought, thought about that perspective, you know, I know, I know my perspective in like what I see, but I obviously don't know like what's on the inside. So that's, um, you know, I think just acknowledging it and talking about it and then just making people more aware because when you're aware, you can, you know, you can try to make changes. Mishka, I want you to republish your book as the caregiver's guide to navigating autism and the journey. And then I want you to republish your book and call it the guide for teachers. And then republish the same words and <laughs> call it the guide for the people that don't understand. And then send me 30 copies of those. Because truly, like Tabitha said at the beginning of our interview, everything that you've written is in the context of the sibling relationship. But what is crystal clear to us is that it's just another view of the same journey we're on. 
and that it's in your lens as a sibling who beams when you talk about your brother. I know that our our listeners may not see what we see, but I mean, you you like arch your back when you speak about him. Like you're just ready for the embrace. Anyway, I can tell that he changed you in the same way that my daughter entering my life changed me. And I can tell anybody that the lessons that you're bringing are just so deep rooted in all the good and in all the reconciliation within your heart and your brain and your, like there's science and there's empathy and there's all sorts of layers to you. And, and I just think what a healing story. Um, so I look forward to the same book, the same words for the teacher, for this, for that. For the <laughs> yeah. And then I want to see which sells the New York Times bestseller list first. <laughs> everybody needs this damn story. I've already ordered it. Um, so good. Highly recommend. I, I, I would just listen to you every day. Like Jamie listens to Harry Potter. I was just going to say that. So Mishka, thank you so much for joining. I mean, I could seriously talk to you for like 20 hours <laughs> we only hit the the very tip of your experiences through your lens all the great work that you're doing people can find you the website is www.happyautism.co and then on instagram and facebook happy autism and then your work with your brother what do you have for sale like his artwork what do you what do you guys have available to people so we have our merchandise, uh, which is our t-shirts, hoodies, mugs. And then we have also, he does commission art. Uh, so if anyone would be interested to get a painting, he paints squares, by the way, only that that's like the good ones, uh, because he just chose that. I'm like, I respect his creative director decisions you know like uh, he's an artist that's hard decisions. I'm like, okay, fine. So yeah, he <laughs> he also- Did you just say he only paints a square? Yeah, look on the square canvas. I just on the I square love canvas. you. I love him. I love you. I love <laughs> him. I'll stop. So you keep going. Go. Yes, just on the square canvas. He doesn't want he uh as soon as I started empowering him through this ability mindset I talked about in the first chapter, just like seeing him that you know, letting him choose more and more and more empowered him to make the choices, more he started being uh confident and really, really show up his boundaries with me. Uh, <laughs> he said, like, no, we're not doing circles or anything else. No, he's like, no, <laughs> we're this is what I want. And he's like Stand by it. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm a clapping hand because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You're believing yourself. We need this. We need this. We, you need to believe in yourself. So, um, yes, so we do. He does it also. And yes, I also do speaking and I do consulting around autism inclusion and sibling relationships and all the things. Like, you know, yeah. uh, we have also course, but um, I'm promoting book more. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> promote the book. We'll put the link in our just podcast des- description when this goes up. It's available on Amazon for everybody out there um yeah. please have mishka come speak to all of the people about her experiences because it's just so powerful you're a gem of a human being we're so lucky to be able to talk to you about your experience such and an inspiration yes absolutely different view that not many people are talking about and and i want to buy Alyssa canvases right now <laughs> it's all my daughter paints on canvases i feel like it's like her thing she we go to the dollar store we buy um, she'll get the tall different shapes of them but they're that's what she paints on every day are canvases so it's very therapeutic for her so kind of kind of feel where your brother's going with that <laughs> yeah Kaya is a great 
fantastic artist. It, she Jen's recently posted some of her um, artwork, which is just incredible as well. I need to check it out. Yes. So um, we thank you. We thank, thank you so you. much. Everybody go buy the book, The Mother's Guide to the Sibling Relationship, available on Amazon. It's uh, You won't be disappointed. I'll just say that <laughs> if you read it. So thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yes, thank you. Thank Enjoy you. Me. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you for joining us at the table for this interview with Mishka. To find links to her book, social media, and her brother's work, make sure to check our description. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you are subscribed and rate and review us. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us, you can at tableforfriedpodcast at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for our little 4th of July chat. We'll see you at the table then. Bye.